0: wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be,
2: here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings on this Monday from Studio B on Airline Drive. We are right down the hall from the Saints locker room and the Pelicans locker room. And ready to talk NFL and NBA with you. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're with us. And we're going to start the week off with a mix of basketball and football today. Obviously, when well, we want to uh, check in on the NBA playoffs, which are now deeply into round two. And we've got two interesting game fours tonight. And we'll talk about that and the other two series, four and all, with Sekou Smith from NBA.com and NBA TV. He'll uh, check in. It's been a while since we've talked to him. So we're very glad to have him aboard today. And then on the football side, we're going to continue... Our conversation about the uh, Saints' rookies. The uh, Saints' rookies are assembling this week, and uh, rookie minicamp is later on uh, over this coming weekend. Uh, Damian Swan is a defensive back picked up by the Saints in the uh, most recent draft out of the University of Georgia. And Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covered him extensively while in Athens. And so Chip Towers today to talk about Damian Swan. So very good stuff today. We'll cover both sides of our... uh, of our hallway, if you will, here on Airline Drive. And uh, we'll await the uh, news um, about Del Demps later this week regarding his uh, press availability. I think he's going to hold kind of an end of season, launching into the off-season press conference, and we'll we'll be targeting that as we go through the week as well. And uh, as we mentioned, getting ready for rookie minicamp later this week. Hope you all had a great weekend. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll start that conversation with Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery.
3: I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd
0: invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's club. quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot, $40 million. Must be at least $21 to purchase.
3: Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad and you are invited to try out. Join us on Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. For more information on how you can be a part of the Pelicans dance team, visit pelicans.com today.
0: We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Hey, when it comes to Georgia Bulldog athletics, Chip Towers is on the beats. He's got it all covered for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and he's a welcome guest here on Black and Blue Report. We've been anxious to talk to Chip about Damian Swan. All of us are eager to learn more about these rookies that the New Orleans Saints have picked up, Chip, and, and Damian Swan is going to be a good one, I think, for these uh, New Orleans Saints.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. For one, I'm really eager to see. Uh, you know how his, how his game, how his athleticism, uh, translates to the pro level. Um, you know because he, he, uh, he had a great career here at Georgia, and really uh, overall, I think was, was largely underappreciated by the Bulldog Nation for what all he brought to the table. Extremely versatile player. You know he can play corner, he can play cover corner, he can play star, he can play. Or, or, or Rover, as a lot of people call her. He can play safety. Um, you know, just an extremely athletic and, and really intelligent, heady guy. Big leader on the Bulldogs' defense and really was kind of like the lone wolf back there uh, the past couple of years in terms of a guy who could really play and really knew the defense and kind of kind of knew what he was doing. So he was having to cover up and mask for a lot of uh, uh, younger, less experienced players most of his career, and 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 always managed uh, to make plays uh, uh, every year, no matter what. So I, you know, I think the Saints are getting a good one, and and you know, you know, who knows? to you get out there and start, uh, you know, tussling with the rest of the pros? Uh, you know how it's going to translate, but uh, you know, on the surface, I I think the Saints did very well for themselves.
2: Chip, this is a uh, this was a, a captain on the defensive side of the football for Georgia. So I'm I'm curious about your statement that. Fans may have not truly have appreciated him as much as they should have. Why? Why would that be the case?
1: Well, you know, because Damian was often the guy left in the situation where uh, you know he's chasing Amari Cooper uh, down the sideline when Cooper scores a touchdown, or uh, you know, I mean, he was the guy kind of uh, kind of asked to cover Sammy Watkins and you know, and and and, and Sammy Coates and kind of kind of every uh, every all world wide receiver that came through Georgia uh you know he was in charge of covering him and as, as we all know when you're when you're tasked with uh, such a challenge you know there's there's going to be wins and losses and so he was uh uh you know uh like fans always are you know they 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 see the they see the failures but they don't notice the you know the other 98 percent of the time that you that you've been successful so the coaches love him uh, there's no question about that he played for two uh, defensive coordinators, uh, uh, two secondary coaches, uh, both of them loved him. Uh, you know, Todd Grantham came with a lot of NFL uh, background, and and just uh, completely um, fell in love with Damian. And both in terms of a uh, you know a, a person and, and an individual, but also as a, a player on the field. And same thing when Jeremy Pruitt came in last year, he he banked on him hard and utilized him in just uh, so many different ways, including. Uh, as his dimeback you know he would line up at inside linebacker in in um in dime packages and and did a fantastic job in that role as well. he's he's not real big guy uh you know i think he's you know listed at uh, 5'11", five eleven one eighty five or something like that but he plays big he's a tough nut and uh he's as good in 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 run uh defense as he is in pass defense
2: Chip, he seems to get his hands on the football quite a bit, too. There's a number of fumble recoveries and interceptions listed in his uh, resume.
1: Well, that's the thing about him. Uh, you know, he could actually, when he came to Georgia out of Grady High School in Atlanta, um, uh, Georgia beat out the Alabama Crimson Tide for him. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough call whether he was going to be a receiver or a defensive back. He made just a – I mean, here's a highlight reel of uh, wide receiver plays he made at Grady High. Uh, when he was there, and, um, you know, and so he, he's returned some punts for Georgia, but his, uh, he, he's had some fantastic interception returns. He's, he, he's had uh, two in a game before Georgia. You know, he was uh, – I can't remember how many he had this past season, but, uh, you know, he's always been Georgia's interception leader in the secondary, and, uh, and he knows what to do with the ball when it gets in his hands. He can help him on special teams, too.
2: Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Chip, uh, you mentioned his intelligence, and I'm sure you found that in probably just speaking with him or interviewing him uh, on top of his football IQ. Uh, what else did you learn about Damian Swan as a person over the last couple of years?
1: Well, you know, for the most part, uh, you, you know, mainly is is, is that, uh, you know, he gets it. You know, I, I know that's a big – but, I mean um, – you know, all these guys University of Georgia has a lot of attention on it from a media standpoint and he has for the last three years kinda handled that role as as spokesman for the defense, you know. So he knows how to you know, he knows how to tell you what's going on without throwing anybody under the bus. He's very he's a definitely a team guy, definitely a leader guy. Um, you know, he had you know, having gone a couple of coordinators and, and Georgia's defense struggled, uh uh, certainly, in 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 12 and 13, when they were contending for SEC championships, the defense let him down. Uh, he always came out and stood up. Uh, uh, you know, I refer I referred to the Amari Cooper play. Really, wasn't his fault. He got he was supposed to have safety help, but uh, in the SEC championship game in 2012, Cooper beat him deep. You know, and I mean, he he comes up and owns up. He says, you know, I you know I should have. I should have anticipated, you know, I should have, he got the jump on me. I, You know, I, I knew it was coming. Uh, you know, he just owns up to stuff. And, uh, you know, his, his son of a coach, his, his father was a, a baseball coach. He's actually a terrific baseball player. I'm, I'm kind of surprised he, he didn't, uh, you know, he hasn't played the whole time he's been at Georgia. But uh, this was a guy, I believe he was drafted out of high school um, by, by Major League Baseball. So, I mean, he's just a tremendous uh, athlete and a, a very well-spoken uh, young man, you know, when it comes to uh, team leadership.
2: What what do you think he'll have to work on in getting his game to the professional level? What are some deficiencies that, that, um, that can get cleaned up or that he'll be able to develop at the next level?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I actually think he's one of those guys that might benefit from more, you know, press coverage. Because there's not too many people – that can out athlete him. But, you know, the one thing you can't do, you can't overcome what God gave, you You know, your size and all that. I think he's, I think he's plenty quick enough, uh, plenty fast enough. And he's not a blazer, but, uh, you know, all I ever heard about since he got here and since then, you know, is about that quick fluid hips and everything. You hear these secondary coaches talk about, you know, he's got, he's got all that, but, you know, he's just not that big, you know? So when it's that, you know, I, I hear him translating as possibly a safety in the NFL and uh, you know some of the punishment those guys have to, to, to dish out and take. Uh, you, know, I, you know I'm not sure whether he can he can handle that or not. And you know being a, a, an every down um, defensive back in the NFL is going to be what he's got to prove. Now I don't I don't know whether he can do it or not, but he certainly did it at Georgia. He was he was their guy in every situation that they tried to put on the best receiver uh and, and uh and, and put him in the uh in, in the most advantageous situations and uh he usually came through, you know, nine times out of ten.
2: Good stuff. I can't wait to see him at rookie minicamp later this week here in New Orleans. Chip, I know the SEC meetings are coming up here shortly. I hope that you're gonna get a little bit of time off before it all starts up again.
1: Yeah, we're you know it's a, we're we're getting a little bit of a breath right here and then it and then like you said it's meetings time. Actually uh the University of Georgia has their board meeting at Saint Simon's, and that's followed by the SEC meetings in Destin, and before you know it, we'll be at the uh, SEC Media Days in Birmingham in July. So it, it gets here fast, but, uh, but that we signed up for it, right?
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right, Chip. I really appreciate it. Good stuff today. I hope that okay. we'll uh, be talking about Damian Swan for a long time in Black and Gold, and who knows? Uh, I'm sure we'll get you on board for some SEC conversation soon enough. And Anytime, uh, we wish man. you all the best this off season.
1: Okay. Thank you very much.
2: You bet. Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Good eyeballs there on Damien Swan. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back here on the Black and Blue Report.
4: In New Orleans, food is more than a passion. It's a tradition, and Zatarain's has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz, and we're excited about what next season
1: might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans
2: Pelicans.
0: We're talking NBA Playoffs on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We turn our attention to basketball as, uh, boy, round two is really starting to look very interesting on a number of different fronts. And to help us uh, keep up the speed here, Sekou Smith from NBA.com and NBA TV joins us here to uh, give us his take on a couple of these uh, moments in time with regard to these series and First of all, Sekou, nice to talk to you. I know this is a great time of year, and we've got some great series uh, going on here. Two big game fours uh, on uh, on tonight's docket, and I guess we should start there, and and maybe in the east. I know that you're very familiar with the Atlanta-Washington series. Um, what's your take here as the Wizards are up two games to one here on the number one seed? Um, I, I've been
4: doing this long enough to know that you don't uh, assume anything with a one game separation like that. Um and I'm sure Paul Pierce is, is preaching the same thing to his guys in that Washington locker room. He got a lot of basketball left to play in that series, I think. Um you know, but these next forty eight minutes obviously are huge for the Wizards because they have an opportunity to uh push their lead, you know, up to two games and if they get up three one coming back here the pressure mounts tremendously uh, on Atlanta. So I think it's a, a situation where you you find one team is really in a playoff groove in Washington, and the other team may have made some miscalculations down the stretch of the regular season in terms of resting guys and not having the sort of continuity you need going into the postseason. And that sometimes that's just the nature to be. Sometimes it's you know not doing your math correctly and assuming that you have. Uh, one equation and finding out once you get in the middle of the playoff mix that that you have a different
2: one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The John Wall thing is rather intriguing to me. Um, Obviously, it would seem on the surface that Washington's in trouble without a guy like John Wall, but yet Paul Pierce and the Wizards seem to have um, weathered the early bit of this storm. I mean, there's still, as you said, so much basketball to be played, but how are the Wizards able to do this without a guy like Wall?
4: Well, I think we see it so many times. You know, when a team is down one of their major pieces, somebody inevitably steps up. You know, people forget these are the 450-plus the best basketball players on the planet, basically. Um, and there's a guy on every bench who could do fantastic things if he got the minutes, and it's just not getting the opportunity. So when somebody gets hurt, when Jack Wall, you know, fractures of his hand in five places, Ramon Sessions, who's been a quality backup throughout the course of his career, sees an opportunity and, and jumps on it. The other part about it, and I, and I talked about it the minute Wall got hurt, is that they've got another guy in Bradley Beal who can facilitate their offense, who's 6'4", uh, who can shoot it as well as anybody when he's in the rhythm in the league. You know, you got another guy that can do that. And then you have a guy like Paul Pierce who takes all of that extra pressure, that big game, big shot pressure off of those guys. Um, and it's there for you to get the job done as well. You know, Randy Whitman, i got to give him a lot of credit. He's, he's shown some confidence in his guys that I don't think everybody else had, and it's paying dividends now.
2: The other game for tonight I could see Memphis take a commanding series lead against the uh, Warriors, and the game is at the grindhouse in Memphis. Um, is, is Golden State a little vulnerable here against Memphis's bigs? Is that the X factor in this series right now?
4: I don't think they're a little vulnerable. I think I think they're a lot, but you know, yeah. Zach Randolph and Marcus all are capable of making life miserable on other big men, and they've been doing this for years. They they did this all the way to the Western Conference Finals a few years ago. People forget that. Um, I think the dynamic is different, though. I think what really ails the Warriors is that they've been in such a groove for so long and played at such a high level for so long this season. They haven't been tested like this. You know, this game four for them to me is even more crucial than it is for the Hawks as the number one seed on the other side. And that Golden State doesn't have the, the margin for error in a much more rugged conference than Atlanta does. You know, Atlanta can survive a game and you know, you never know what happens. Golden State can't survive Memphis if, if they get down 3-1. I mean, there's no coming back from that. I don't think anybody believes they'll be able to come back from that. You'd have to win three straight games against a team that's every bit your equal. And I think what you do in the regular season is one thing. What you do in the postseason is totally different. And Memphis, based on the matchups, has proved to be every bit Golden State's equal and more. Uh, you know, so it's going to take Yeoman's work from their guys. And Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have to balance out their advantage, or at least the advantage we thought they had uh, over the Memphis backcourt, compared to what the Memphis frontcourt has over Golden State's, big.
2: the three ball um, is the is the biggest weapon they have. I mean, I'm understandable of that after watching Golden State do it to New Orleans in round one. Uh, Siku, if if the Warriors can get that shot going tonight and even this series up, th- the whole dynamic change, or is it still going to be this uh, this a uh, this, um, I'm trying to find the right word here. This conundrum, I guess, that they have against those Memphis Bigs the rest of the series. Uh, how much does momentum play coming out of this game for tonight?
4: Well, to me, it's not momentum so much as it is. It's, they're not getting open threes. You know, it's a difference when you're getting open looks and you're, having, you're just missing wide open shots. They're being, their shots are being contested. Uh, you know, Memphis is taking away from them some of the things they like to do and, and not allowing them to do it with the ease they're used to doing it. That's a much different thing than if you're just missing shots and missing chippies and, and, and not executing. Golden State looks perplexed. Like they look like a team that is, has not figured out a way to solve defensive riddle that Memphis has thrown at them, and that's scary if you're a Warriors fan because you haven't lived in this space all season. You, you haven't lost three games in a row all year. You have owned people. You know, and to have it flip so quickly um, should make you nervous. But I think in any playoff series, the, the winner of the, the next game on tap, is the, you know, it's not about momentum. It's about, hey, we won, handle business, move on to the next game. You have to be able to compartmentalize in the playoffs in ways that a lot of guys don't understand until they get into that, you know, that, that tall grass. You know, it's not about... Mm-hmm momentum and you know whatever adjustment was made today or you know yesterday it's about what you can do the next time you get on that court and Golden State has to find that kind of confidence Uh, they've got to find that kind of vibe as a group you know I don't I don't think all a lot of their guys I mean their bench isn't playing as well as they as you would expect or as they should or need them to to in this series there's a lot of other stuff going on than just Steph Curry and Klay Thompson missing shots.
2: Yeah, and Draymond Green's situation uh, situation's interesting there, too. Uh, Seeker, the other uh, series in the West is the Clippers now up 3-1 of the Rockets. Um, are the Rockets done? Is this trouble here for Houston?
4: Uh, I, they're in unbelievable trouble, and I'm mean going to tell you, it's, it's less about the Rockets and how fragile they are to me and more about the resolve and resiliency of the Los Angeles Clippers. A year ago this time, you know, they were battling stuff that had nothing to do with basketball, and you wonder if they could survive. Now they're battling injuries and just the grind of of trying to chase a title and trying to play at that super high level. And I'm impressed with DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and all these guys who we've watched their deficiencies and and examined their warts on their games and the things they don't do well and how well they've adjusted. They still don't shoot free throw. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is still a brutal free throw shooter, and and that's not going to change anytime soon. uh, God bless him. I hope he goes in the gym this summer. and and shoots a 1,000 a day just to shut people up. Um, But the energy and effort they play with and the toughness of Chris Paul, you know, something we've talked about for years around the league, I think everybody knows that. You can never, to me, put a price tag on on having a guy who just refuses to let his team lose and and has an iron will to keep them in games and in series. And I've said it for years now, Doc Rivers is the best motivator, as a head coach to me in basketball. Um, he finds ways to get things out of guys. I mean, J.J. Reddick, really, guarding James Harden and playing, you know, stout defense on James Harden. I mean, because that's one of the things that's been overlooked to me in that series is that Redick has been really good on both ends of the floor, and that was a matchup that everybody would have assumed would have been a whitewash, James Harden just annihilating him, and that hasn't happened. So I think the entire package and the fact that, we're talking about the Clippers playing in the finals, you know, in the conference finals at some point, potentially in the NBA finals. Never would have entered my uh, thought process, you know, going into the season.
2: Yeah, interestingly enough, Chris Paul, in 10 years, has never gotten clear of the second round. What will that say about Paul's overall legacy, if he can finally make this push through here and, and as you mentioned, get into a Western Conference Finals, if not an NBA Finals?
4: Well, I mean, I don't think he's in danger of not, being in the conversation is one of the greatest point guys ever played without it, but I think it pushes him higher up on that list. If he can get to the conference finals and perhaps beyond he's sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a product of your circumstance. You know, it's not always up to just you, um, as to what your team does or how far you go, but he's certainly a guy who has put in the work, uh, has the respect of his peers and, and to me of other people, people who know basketball, they know what kind of player he is, but it's, you know, that clock, you know, there's that window of opportunity that is always shrinking for anybody. It's always who's, in the, who's on, you know, the next guy to come up and, and fill that space. And Chris Paul has had a lot of guys fill that space in his, you know, 10 plus years in the league this this might be his time, and maybe it's his chance to solidify his legacy and put himself in that championship conversation when it comes to point guards in the NBA.
2: Sanko Smith with us from NBA.com, NBA TV. Hey, quick question about the uh, the Cavaliers and Bulls. 2-2 in that series. What's the biggest storyline moving forward in that best of seven?
4: Uh, David Blatt, the guy who I mm-hmm. thought, you know, everybody talks about who was the most important person in cleveland this year you know obviously lebron coming back changes the dynamic but blatt's been the guy to me who's been stuck in the crosshairs all year um was he ready for this you know how prepared was he as the head coach to deal with not just the end game situations and we saw he almost called a timeout that could have cost his team a game um but just understanding how to manage superstar talent you know and the fact that lebron james is going to blow off your play calls sometimes and do what great players do and take matters into his own head. It's been an interesting ride. I mean, I watched them in their first-round series against Boston, and I was taken aback at, at the way David Blatt deals with not only the media, but his team. He's, he's much more at ease than people give him credit for, but it almost cost him. And you have to be uh, a mindful guy in the NBA. You know, he's got Tyron Luke. Larry through and, and a good staff over there with him. And they saved his bacon. Tyron Luce saved their season by making sure David Blatt didn't call that timeout uh, before LeBron James sank that game winner. And, and those sorts of things, if you don't achieve your ultimate goal, could be the, the type of thing to get you uh, standing in, in an unemployment line at some point if you're not careful.
2: Yeah, good point there. Hey, last question for you real quick. Uh, when I uh, When I speak to fans – about off-the-ball fouling and sending deficient free-throw shooters to the line, um, I get almost a right-down-the-middle split on feelings regarding that strategy or that availability within the confines of the rules. Um, What are you hearing on a national level about uh, what that may hold as far as the future goes? Where does that type of play um, find itself at the uh, NBA game? Well,
4: I mean, clearly it's going to get looked at this summer. If, you know, people in the in the highest, you know, levels of the game want something done. Um, but I go back to a basic principle that, you know, we're all taught in whatever we do. If you want to fix an efficiency, you go to work yourself. You know, if you take it upon yourself, each and every individual player, to be a better free throw shooter. I know it sounds ridiculous, but the minute you start legislating the game in that way, You take the onus off the players, and that's where the responsibility lies ultimately. Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, I don't care who you are, you have to, you know, Josh Smith, run down the list of guys who are brutal free-throw shooters in these playoffs. You have to do it yourself. you got to go in there and get in the lab in the summer and improve your free-throw shooting. These guys love to go and work on their three-point shot and their jump shots. Go in there and work on the easiest shot in the game. Go to work on your free-throws. And change who you are. Blake Griffin changed the trajectory of his career by becoming a more proficient free throw shooter. He's now a guy who should be in the MVP conversation in the next couple of years, based on the fact that he's improved his shot at the free throw line and on the floor to the point that he has. And that's a, to me, that's a testament to Blake Griffin, his professionalism, his drive, work ethic, and and his superstar ambitions. And and I don't have any problem with it. And I think that's where it lies and where should lie going forward is with the individuals to improve their free shooting.
2: No doubt, no doubt. You'll find him on NBA TV, his hangtime blog on NBA.com. It's a must read. And, of course, you'll want to follow him on Twitter, too. Seku Smith from NBA TV and NBA.com. Hey, thanks for the time today. Enjoy the rest of the games. They're going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see what unfolds next.
4: No doubt, Sean. Thank you, man.
2: You bet. Take care. And with okay, that, good. we'll take a break, and we'll continue in just a moment.
3: Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866 Auctioner for a same day appointment. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind.
0: pelicans.com and New Orleans Saints.com. your first stop when following your teams
2: Hey tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report more conversation about the newest Saints I'm hoping, I'm hoping that tomorrow we can zero in on Marcus Murphy a little bit he intrigues me as the 7th round pick by the New Orleans Saints a running back who also could find himself very much in the mix as far as returning kicks both punts and kickoffs this coming season for the New Orleans Saints we'll continue that tomorrow and we'll See who else stops by. You never know as we uh, have ourselves firmly planted here in the center of the Saints and Pelicans world. For Daniel Sallerson, I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.